Hey, Kingfield family. Thanks for tuning in to this platform with us on Anchor.fm or whatever platform you were choosing to listen to your podcast on. These are going to be collections of our Coach's Corner, Coach's Talk with coaches, community members, and other friends within our network and the Kingfield family. So, Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy. Please, if you want us to bring anything or anyone on, reach out to Danny at CrossFitKingfield.com. Send your suggestions, comments, and we hope to bring more and more fun, more and more connection, and more and more value to you here on this platform. Thanks for listening and enjoy. So yeah, we'll get into this. We'll let let you give yourself a nice little intro and then uh, we'll have this organic chat between you and I about all things life and maybe the meaning of. So do you want to tell everybody who you are, what you do, and all that fun jazz? Sure. Um, my name is Andrea uh, Storley. I own Nail Ninja, which is um, a nail salon here in Minneapolis. And we specialize in um, high quality products and nail art. And um, and yeah, that's, that's it. That's our thing. Um, we are... Uh, we we do a lot of uh, community outreach stuff. Like we have a pay it forward program where we accept monetary donations from people to help pay for the services of, you know, some people who might be, uh, you know, struggling financially or if they just need a little treat for themselves and stuff like that. So we have a really big heart for community stuff too. Nice. So I think anybody that knows you, I think could probably say a couple things and spend five minutes with you and realize that you are an open book, right? You have no time for bullshit. Like it, is, it doesn't make any sense to just have niceism. So you're going to like, what you see is what you get. But I think maybe spend like an hour with you and you do actually realize that you have a huge, huge heart and you are quite a softie, which is something I have got to know over the years. But I'm most interested in like, what, like what brought you to art? Like, how did you find art first? Because I think that on the surface, you know, it's like somebody who, Somebody who performs, you know, emergency surgeries, you know, in the, you know, in the ICU or whatever, in the OR, and they're like, nah, I'm just a dentist, but really it's far more than that. And like, I think that just saying we do nail art doesn't, doesn't do justice to the type of service you offer. And I think like the product that people receive. So like, how did this all come about? Like what first brought you to art? Um, well, I don't really think that I did hit art first. I never, um, I've been staying for years. I mean, anyone who's been seeing me for nails for a long time will know that I have always said like, Oh, I'm not an artist. Like I just color in the lines. That's, that's all I do, you know? Um, and I did that for a number of years because where I was working, they didn't really, uh, they didn't really encourage nail art. They didn't really want to like take the time with each person. They didn't think that the um, the payout was big enough. Like they'd rather have just done, you know, a handful of 45 minute services that are one color. So I did a solid, you know, 12 years or so of just doing like basic art, um, or like one color manicures only. And then, um, I obviously was really, really bored with that. And so when I started, like, there's only so many soft pink nails you can see before you're like, um, I definitely wanted to uh, branch out and try other things. So when I decided to open my own business, I was like, man, I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time now. How can I make this different and interesting? And anyone who follows anything to do with salon culture or nails, you know, knows that there's not really a ton of stuff like that in Minneapolis. So 
I, again, I would like to stress that I had no idea that I had any artistic ability whatsoever beyond just the fact that I'm a really meticulous, uh, like detail oriented person. So I've always been really good at just even just the one color manicure and stuff because I'm really meticulous about cuticle work and cleaning everything up. But I, um, I didn't, I didn't know that I had any ability. So I started trying some things out and kind of like refining things and just practice, practice, practice. And lo and behold, it turns out I can actually color a little bit and can do some drawing. So it was kind of more of like a discovery just on my own. I didn't really come to that at first. And then, but since I started doing that, when I opened my own business, I think that um, I was able to attract other people who, you know, are artistic or wanted to at least incorporate more artistic value in what they were doing. Um, and I think, I mean, what you said about that nail art doesn't really scratch the surface. I think that's true. I think our, our draw to people um, more than the quality of the products that we put out and the work that we put out is just that we are not a typical salon. Like we play a lot of like really inappropriate music and we have inappropriate conversations. And uh, one of the things that I've always hated about working in salons is um, that some of the more uh, outspoken, I say outspoken as a euphemism. I mean, clients that come in who are kind of mean to you and want to talk down to you and use that as a way to get free services. You know, they'll complain about stuff and then the salon kind of just gives them a free service. And I'm the opposite of that. I'm, I'm like, you know, there's plenty of nice people that want to give us their money that aren't going to treat us like garbage. So you can take your money and your bad attitude and go somewhere else. And I think actually that people find that really refreshing because who wants to deal with that anymore? You know, like we're all busy, we're all stressed out. No one wants to be yelled at or talked down to like that. And I think that other people have really responded to that part of our business more than just the art itself. Yeah. I think that that's, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there and what you said. And I think starting with like 12 years of one color manicures, I mean, holy shit. Like I can't imagine how creative you can make a one color manicure. However, it sounds like, I mean, whether you know this or not, like development from, you know, at, on an adult level really happens when we spend time and we're focused, like we're innately focused because then we just start to see different things about the picture and about the product. And on the surface, it sounds like you painted nails for 12 years, but I hear that you spent 12 years with people and interacting people and learning how to read people and learning how to steer conversations and learning how to like predict things and tap into emotional cues and and then how that aligns with the type of person that you want to be involved with and like you know because if you're going to spend time in front of somebody where you're going to close contact right i mean within feet of one another and you're working on their hands and like this is this is an intimate setting regardless and so if you're having oh, a shit terrible time and they're having a shit terrible time neither of you want a shit terrible time a shit terrible time right <laughs> And so I think that, you know, yes, it wasn't necessarily 12 years of learning how to paint nails because I'm sure that that can be learned in a you know matter of months, but it's 12 years of learning how to read people and how to, how to provide a service um, that I think I, I personally have not seen anybody produce what you or your team has. And I think it's amazing, but talk to me a little bit about like, where does this, this innate confidence about or just belief in yourself because I think that that's one thing that is different and separates people who are successful entrepreneurs and successful business owners is that regardless of what other people think their steadfast belief in themselves and like willingness to just 
keep moving forward uh, has to be present. Otherwise, why the, why the fuck would we do this? You know, like it's, right. I mean, you, you have to basically wake up day after day and like close the book. Be like, yeah. wake up and do it all over again. So like, where did that belief in yourself or that confidence come from? Has that always been there or did that come over time or? I think that, um, I think it's like a combination of things, right? I think that naturally I am a really obnoxious person. I'm a very like, um, headstrong person. And I really know, I, I guess I, I feel like I've always kind of just known, um, who I am in, I guess in, in multiple different capacities. Right. But I feel, I feel like I've always been the kind of person that's just like, like you said earlier, kind of like what you see is what you get. And I think the number one mistake that a lot of people make in their personal lives or in their business lives is to try to please people that aren't their people. I mean, you can bend over backwards trying to please someone who, you know, might've already come into your life deciding that for whatever reason, they just don't like you or they don't like what you're doing. And then you're working 10 times as hard to try to convince that person that um, they should, you know, be in your life or support your business or whatever. And I'm not about that. I'm, I'm definitely just like, this is what I do and this is what I'm about. And if you like it, cool, come hang out with me. And if you don't, you know, go hang out with whoever you want. I don't care. Um, and I think that that's, I would say that um, the 12 years of, um, you know, doing the one color manicures and all of that also kind of gave, it gives you confidence to have some, uh, you know, like a track record of stability in what you do and what your skill set is. Um, so like, I obviously know going into opening my own business, like I can do a really solid one color manicure and, uh, or, you know, just a manicure in general. And that means that I have a really good, um, like starting ground to build up on. Um, so I think that the confidence for me personally, it's kind of 50% like, well, I already had it because I'm always, I've always just been like, this is, this is what it is. And if you like it, cool. And if you don't cool. And, um, but also I have enough of a track record to know that like, all right, I, I can, I know that I have the ability and all I have to do is continually practice and get myself to the point where I, I'm better and better and better. Um, does that answer the question? Totally. Yeah. No, I, I think it's great because I mean, like a lot of it is trial and error, right? I mean, like we don't want to be the people, person in the room who knows the most. I don't think that any successful business owner would tell you that. And I think the longer that you're in business, the less you actually know, the oh more you ask for help, the more you lean on people. But I mean, our relationship for those that don't know, I've got to coach you for a number of years. And so I, I mean, we have had many instances of like, you know, me learning to understand you. And I feel like I have been able to read you pretty well. So there are a lot of similarities and a lot of parallels between your career as an athlete, specifically in the sport of weightlifting and watching you as a businesswoman, because I think that there, I, I always define it as just ferocity, right? Like when you are locked in on something like it is all in, right? Yeah. It is all in regardless of what is in your way. Uh, and I mean, and I admire that greatly about you. So how much do you feel like, do you feel like there was anything within your athletic career? I mean, like that helped influence you as a businesswoman or things like, did those two ever line up or was it just kind of like they were two separate things and then one took over more or interchangeable? Like, how would you kind of describe that? I definitely think it's the same, like it's the same mindset of, um, you know, to, to be successful, 
at anything really, but like specifically weightlifting. And we've discussed this a whole lot is that you kind of have to be a fearless person. I mean, you're throwing however much weight over your head and just like, well, I hope I don't kill myself, you know? (laughs) So like you have to have a certain amount of, uh, you know, balls and just like, well, I'm going to do this shit and I'm capable of doing this shit because I've done it a whole lot of other times and I've trained and I've, you know, I've eaten well and I've done all this. And I think there's a, there's a little bit of that that goes into business too, where, you know, you can see, you know, obviously in business, it's a little bit more of a risk, maybe in some ways more of a risk, especially financially, if you're worried about, you know, money or, you know, your success long-term with money that you're like, well, I have this thing that I'm going to do and it's going to cost me X amount of dollars. And you have to have the ability to like have balls and just pull the trigger and be like, I'm going to do this. And, you know, kind of what we were just saying in the beginning, like owning a business every day, you, you lose something every, every day. And you're like, I'm, I'm losing money. I'm losing patience. I'm losing brain cells by the minute. Like I'm developing gray hair as we speak. Like it's, it's constant and you have to always have enough balls to just keep going. So I think those two things tied together, um, you know, specifically with just having the courage to, to pull the trigger, I guess. I mean, I, I describe weightlifting as the uh, sport of heartbreak, to be totally honest. I mean, like, I mean, well, like what you were going to, what you said earlier is uh, I was going to say like the uh, experience that we had at, you know, my first national meet. So like I work, work my ass off. I get to nationals. I'm so hyped. We get this big house and I pick like the princess room in the house. It's got like the jacuzzi uh, bathtub and like a steam shower. And I'm just like living the high life. And I'm feeling really good about, you know, myself and my training and all of this. And then I get on stage and I bomb and I miss all three of my snatches. And then I have to move on to clean and jerk with the knowledge of like, I I don't even have a total now. I'm not even going to place in this meet. I've worked, you know, for five years or whatever to get to this point and I blew it. And that's like a perfect, you know, that's a perfect, you know, uh, kind of thing with business too, is that you can put all of your time and energy into this one thing and you don't really know how it's going to go. You just have to put all your, you know, energy out there and see what happens. Totally. I mean, yeah, I remember that meet specifically and like it's as a coach and especially at least from my coaching strategy and I, I rely heavily on the other two compadres that are, uh, you know, help me in this journey, Anthony and Chris, because they are much more of the technical cues leading up to things. But, you know, I tend to kind of come in as this like Jedi guy who comes in about six weeks before and we just start having this conversation. And then I just, I tell people all the time that my superpower is nothing fancy. People just let me in, but I make my way in. And then I just try to like keep the narrative based on, you know, on confidence, on you know, visualization, things that we need to do, but ultimately around what you can control. And I, that comes from me from a place of just like, that's the conversation I have with myself, especially Mm -hmm. in business, especially in, in, you know, athletics and, you know, my relationship with my wife, she, I always tell her she's the athlete. I mean, she's the one that is far more talented than I, and she competes in weightlifting too. And she wants to hear nothing that I have to say about any of that, you know, so that's for another time and place, but what, so you know, weightlifting obviously was there before you owned your own business. I mean, you did that, you know, pretty heavily and then owning your own business, you had the staunch reality that all business owners do that this is all consuming and everything that you thought it was going to be. It is not everything costs three times as much. It takes three times yeah. as long. Uh, and it's 10 how, times as thankless. hundred <laughs> percent. 
But how do you feel like what's your relationship with failure? Has that changed since you've owned a business or has it, you know, like what, how do you view failure? Um, I don't know that I really acknowledge it in a negative way necessarily. Like I feel like, um, with the national bombing experience, you know, you were there. I, I was like, Oh, well that this fucking sucks. And I feel like a jackass now, you know, but like 30 seconds later, I was like, Oh, well, I guess I'm just doing clean and jerks and I'm going to go get drunk after. So, you know, like, what do you do? You know, I, I feel like I don't really take, I don't know that I take failure as like a sign to stop ever or like a sign to back off. If anything, I think it makes me try 10 times harder. And, you know, after we had that bombing experience at nationals, then I came, I went back to training and was training just as hard, if not harder for a long time, got a little bit stronger. And, um, I feel like the same thing, I guess, has really happened with business. I don't, I don't think that I ever take, um, if I, if I do a, you know, project that I end up losing money on, it definitely doesn't stop me from doing the next project. I feel like I'm always looking for uh, ways to refine however, you know, whatever I'm doing or ways to make it better. So I, I don't think that I view failure um, differently at all. I think I view it as it's gasoline on my fire. You know, if I, if I fail at something, I'm like, well, fuck it. I better do it better next time and just move on to the next thing. Totally. It's a great learning experience. And I think if you create a comfortable, if you realize that failure is always going to happen and is going to probably be one of the most common traits in owning a business or working for yourself or just in life and then it happens. Um, So how much of your, if we talk a little bit about your brand and kind of evolution in your business, like how much do you feel like your business has evolved with who you are as a person? I mean, did you always in those 12 years of doing, you know, one color manicures, did you like actualize nail ninja in your head? Did you start to think about that? Like when did this thing all start? Oh yeah. Yeah. I feel like, so uh, pretty early on, um, so for everyone who does not know me at all, I grew up in Florida, which is a very different, I mean, you know, it's like the Tiger King group of people. And when I moved up here, everyone was like, oh my God, Minnesota must be so crazy. It's so cold. I mean, such a drastic weather difference. And I'm like, no, the people are the real difference. Because in Florida, if you piss someone off, you'll just get into a fight with them and then move on. But here, if someone's mad at you, they will like, go out of their way to just be like unreasonably passive aggressive and mean to you. And I'm just like, I don't have that. So like, um, I think that, uh, I definitely got to like the first couple of years of working in my first salon job, I was, you know, really trying to mind my P's and Q's and be polite and do the, you know, like the client is always right. People pleasing thing. And I just got to a point where I was driving myself crazy. I was like, Oh my God, I, I can't, do this and I can't deal with these people because I was also working in a place where, um, you know, a lot of the clientele had a good amount of money. It's in Edina, uh, Minnesota. And so a lot of people have money and they're kind of used to just being able to like run all over you. And I'm like, man, I can't do this. So a couple of years in, I got to the spot where I was like, I'm just going to tell these women that they're fucking nuts and see what happens. You know, like <laughs> I just, <laughs> because it got to a point where I'm like, these, these women, uh, you know, just have some unrealistic expectations of, of me and of my coworkers and what we're even capable of doing or what we can do legally or whatever. Um, so I feel like I definitely like pretty early on, early on just started kind of setting the expectation of like, this is what I do. 
and this is what I'm going to do. And if you don't like that, then there's 15 other people behind me that would love to see you. And so, and I think that that's pretty much how I run my business now. Um, if anything, I think the challenge with that has been with, you know, having employees now is that some of them, you know, really aren't like that, or they're a little more mindful of that. And so they're like, Oh, should we play music, you know, that has curse words or whatever? And I'm like, fuck yeah, we're going to play music with curse words because if I don't need any gentle bitches coming up in here being like, oh, music is offensive. You're not going to like anything that comes out of my mouth if you find music with curse words offensive. So just go ahead and find another salon, you know? Um, so I definitely think I started kind of like figuring out who I was in the industry and kind of acting appropriately to that. And just like, like I said in the beginning, it's like there's no sense in marketing yourself to people that aren't like you or don't have like similar interests of you or else you're just going to be working 10 times as hard to please people that are probably going to be, uh, you know, disgruntled all the time anyway, because their vibe is not your vibe. So the best thing, you know, that I think you could do is just to do your shit and just let the people that like you find you, you know? Do you feel like that allows you, that gives you some sense of ease and that you can be more creative because you don't spend this energy trying to totally placate? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that that's, I mean, how much time do you think you spend kind of like just petting people and making them like, I mean, I, I do a good amount of that because I want to, because that's, you know, I do like taking care of people and I'm always going to bend over backwards to take care of, you know, my people. But if I have someone who's like, you know, kind of unnecessarily needy or like has unrealistic expectations, I put my foot down really really quick on that because I'm like, listen, that's not a thing. Like we're not, we're not doing this. Yeah. I think boundaries are very important, you know, because I think when you're from my point of view, when you are, I look at, you know, my businesses, <clears throat> there's kind of twofold, right? It's a meritocracy most of the time. Right. Yeah. So like you, anyone can have a seat at the table. You just have to kind of prove why you should be there. And, totally. um, you know, I feel like those who have voices at which are willing to challenge with a solution available is extremely welcomed, right? Like I can come and spend all this time on a plan that I think is going to work. And then someone can come up and say, you know, here's the holes I potentially see in that. And like, awesome. But don't just tell me it sucks. Tell me it sucks and why and how we right. could change or that, because that's being a part of, that's being a, like um, a, a teammate, you know, that's being right. something that is supporting the vision and rather than somebody who's just throwing stones at the house. And so that's kind of the rule with us is that, anything is on the table, like, you know, who you are, what you do, how you carry yourself, social media, whatever, but we can't criticize unless we have a solution. Otherwise it's just criticism and no one has time for that. And right. I think the other part of it is, is as I've tried to foster a culture of um, professionals, I also want individuals. I want autonomy in this idea that they understand that they have a responsibility to the business, but they also have responsibility to themselves. And I don't right. want them to be robots and try to be me because they can't be me. They have right. to do themselves and part of their allure and their brand and their uh, appeal to, to clients is going to be who they are as people. And I think Absolutely. I, you know, want to influence that, but I don't want to, to dictate how and where and the lines of which they should, should wait in because truthfully, I don't have any time to do that. That just, would just get, be all consuming. And yeah. so what about, you know, inspiration? I'm curious about if we're talking about artwork or we're talking about music and we're talking about the environment or just the general aura of, of you, like, where do you draw your inspiration from? Like, I'm curious about this. Like, how do you 
is there something that like lights your fire? Like, dang, that's awesome. And you spend time doing that or like, you know, what is on the other side of, of you that rather than just the businesswoman and, you know, lots of, <laughs> I mean, at this point that there really is no other side, <laughs> there yeah. is no other side of me right now, which is um, not, especially... which is not unique to anybody that hasn't opened their own business, but there yeah. is something in there. I think that at a certain point in time, you do admire certain things or you do, you know, where do you like find small moments um, for yourself? I watch a lot of movies like um, anytime, you know, me, me and Zach are sitting in the office doing, you know, if I'm doing work stuff or if I'm just drawing or, you know, painting or whatever, uh, we always have some kind of like artsy movie playing in the background, um, you know, or some movie that at least has some kind of like artistic value um, as background noise. I find a lot of, uh, I find a lot of in, like artistic inspiration from, music and uh and movies specifically i don't know if anyone if who are anyone watching this like follows my instagram but i've been posting a lot of like i did a handful of um you know artistic nails with like kill bill themes on them and stuff and like we did a whole you know we had like we probably watched like four or five quentin tarantino movies which i don't know i don't know how you feel about quentin tarantino he's kind of hit or miss for me it's not not my favorite but like kill bill is the shit and i think there are so many like really amazing cool things about that movie i mean i think i think movies are a really really big source of um even if I don't do anything that's specifically based on that, like just watching someone else's art and watching what someone else does with their art is really interesting to me. Um, well, to, you know, for me specifically, I admire his consistency in things like uh, he always puts the credits first, you know, like how he tells a story is very unique to himself. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that every story he tells is incredible. Uh, I mean, once upon a time in Hollywood, I watched with my wife as we were flying to, Japan and we like queued it up together on the plane and I'm pretty sure I slept for like the first two hours and 10 minutes but like the last 15 minutes of that movie were pure gold and we were just laughing hysterically and it was just like and, and uh, Amanda didn't know that it was Tarantino until afterwards and she was like if I would have known that would like totally would have made sense so would have made way more sense <laughs> totally like you would have been like oh yeah he's just dragging us along telling this yeah. story and so for him I you know I admire and like yeah some things I don't think are great but like Hateful Eight I think the only thing that was incredible about Hateful Eight I didn't really enjoy it but that he he spent that long of a time telling a story in one location I th I actually thought Hateful Eight was pretty cool just specifically based on the what like you have want there's so much that goes on and so much like character exploration that goes yeah. on in one room and one room. actually if anything i think the coolest thing about tarantino it which maybe this is why i like him because i feel like it's like similar to me is that he's he does shit that's like so outrageous and like wildly offensive to so many people and he's just like fuck it this is what i'm doing and like I mean, watch my shit or don't so I'm just gonna throw 30 n-words in one movie like who does that and gets away with it you know like I would never do that but like he does it like he does so many things that are like he always pushes oh me up, pushes on and on for it you know it's crazy yeah hold on we're just gonna mute Bridget um so part of it I think I'm curious about I'm curious uh, more so not about the manicures that you're most proud about but the ones that just like they were terrible like, have you ever had a situation where you're like doing somebody's nails and in your head, it's just a dumpster fire. You're like, yes, 
no way this is turning out like what's that experience like and then how do you get through that because in my experience teaching crossfit if you had been in class with me where i'm like all right everybody we're gonna take your boxes and we're gonna put them over here and then dumbbells over here and then i'm gonna explain this and then yeah can you please shut the fuck up and then like it's on me like and at the end of the day and then i'm like okay everybody this this actually doesn't work so if you can take all your stuff and put it on the other side of the room and then yeah okay actually it's we're gonna change this entirely and everybody's just like what the fuck like what are you doing with your life so has it ever like, happened um, to you like you feel like you've been trapped uh it happens all the time i feel like <laughs> there are things all the time where like i always tell everyone who like who works for me i'm always like the worst thing you can do is show a client when you are fucking up <laughs> because you are gonna fuck up because you're a person right and like we all have off days and especially any job any job period but like an artistic job like your art skills are not the same every day there are some days where I'll do like a really crazy detailed nail and I'm like, holy shit, I did that nail in like 10 minutes. I have no idea how I did that. And then there are other days where I'm doing like the most simple basic shit and I am just, it looks like, uh, you know, Michael J. Fox painted these pinstripes. They're everywhere. <laughs> it's like a zigzag. I'm like, fuck, you know, like it's constant. There are always, <laughs> there, there are so many manicures that I'm in my head when I'm doing it. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> but like, all you can do is do your best. And I feel like, you know, the nice thing with my clients specifically and definitely the clients that are uh, drawn to coming into nail ninja is they are so gracious and they're so like kind and they just want to support us and they just want to, you know, have our backs. And I feel like I posted something the other day, actually similar to this conversation where it's like the meme of the girl laying in bed and her brain's like, Hey, what if everyone who said they liked their nails today really didn't? And then she's like, and I do that all the time internally in my head. I'm like, oh my God, I, that manic, that second manicure I had today, I really wish I would have gotten that one little spot where there was a cuticle. Like I'll just sit there and think about it. it so yeah, that, I do that constantly. But that shows, so if we take that to a professional athlete perspective, in sports science, they talk about that as the brain develops and as your skill capacity develops, you just think about different things, right? So like if you and I are standing at the plate and someone is throwing a ball at us and we're going to try to hit it. We are thinking about something completely different. If mm -hmm. it's Sammy Sosa is up there and he's getting ready to bat and, and it's been proven. I mean, in brain science, it's like you're, you, you can compute at such a faster, higher level that like, that's when your skills transcend, right? That's when they improve because no longer are you worried about certain things because it's just assumed knowledge and you keep moving that on. So um, and from a coaching perspective, I always see this, like when I watch movement and most people don't know this, but when I watch people move, I, I have to, most of the time enter with zero assumption of, as to what I'm looking for, because otherwise then I'm telling my story and I see what I'm trying to tell myself I'm looking for. But mm -hmm. if I can truly enter in with just non-bias and I, I'm watching somebody move and I'm just trying to observe, I'll be like, ah, I don't know why my arm, my eye is drawn to their elbow or their foot. And then I see these things and then then the story starts to unfold in front of me. So I'm sure you've had those experiences too, but yeah. 12 years of being in front of people, you know, you can, you at least know how to save yourself and keep it going. So, Definitely. um, I think you, so you, I want to, this might be like a two truths, one lie type deal, but I remember way back when you and I were talking about this, did, did you at some point in time consider pursuing a, a career in stand up comedy? Did you think about that or was that, yeah, so I used to, I have lived so many weird things in my life, but I used Thank to be Florida, right? urban Florida. And then the way that I ended up moving up to Minnesota was that um, 
I mean, I was kind of a total hood rat growing up. And at some point I started hanging out with these kids that were going to church. I'm not religious at all anymore. But at that point I was like, well, you know, all my friends were like really getting into trouble and stuff. And I was like, I don't really want to do this shit anymore. Like, I don't want to like go out in the woods and get drunk while my friends are at school. And so I kind of started going to like church here and there. And I got recruited by a Christian drama company and I moved up here because that they were based up here. And then, um, so I traveled around the country in a 15 passenger van with four other people and performed, you know, did like little, um, skits and programs and taught uh, acting workshops and, um, and, uh, public speaking workshops and stuff like that. And so, and there was a lot of that that had, I mean, you had kind of had to make it entertaining, right? And obviously with doing nails, I'm sitting here telling stories constantly. And so, yeah, definitely like doing stand up was, um, I mean, I did like a couple of little amateur things here and there, but I never really pursued it because honestly, you, you never get paid for it. <laughs> I always just felt like it's so much money and so much energy. And like, I mean, and again, kind of similar idea, I guess, to owning your own business is like, you fail a lot. You fail a lot doing stand up. And there are people that go to stand up shows just to boo you and like, just to kind of make you feel like you're not funny. And so you definitely have to have a, a thick skin for that too. And I, I just think I never, I never really gave it a fair shake, but yeah, I, d yeah. I definitely thought about it for a little bit. I mean, spend five minutes with you and it's hilarious in and of itself. So you're very good at, cause, cause stand up comedians, right. They start this thing where they have a, basically they have, a, an idea and a punchline and then you have to fill in all these these little yeah. like hilarious jokes in between and i mean i don't think anybody would disagree that dave Chappelle is the best of our generation and, and a way of just you know and even so so good that he will tell you the punchline and then divert your thinking and then lay it on and meet, meet it later on didn't even see it coming and so but I think that that is, when I think of stand-up comedy, and I think it fits specifically to myself, and I know we've shared this a lot when we talk about comedy, is that what it does is it, it's a, you know, stand-up comedians, at least for myself, are I think probably the world's best communicators because they, A, have this, you know, emotional empathy at which they feed off of the energy in the room, which is extremely um, important if you're looking to try to public speak, you're looking to try to, to, try to deliver a message, but also it they keep people engaged and it, and it's, it's, they like, that's people lose themselves within these people because it diverts them. They start telling the story in their head and it's a really powerful thing that we can do as humans. But I have experienced that with you many times where I think that I'm sure getting your nails done with you is it for most people is less about the artwork that is actually on their hands, but more about their pain for the time and the experience with you. Um, so well, a couple more questions I'm curious about is in terms of, now when you you look at like the landscape of of salon culture and things like that do you find that more people are looking to try to break off and be authentic and be part of their brand and put their flag in the ground as to who they are or is there still kind of like this authoritarian dictator you know or brand that people try to hold on to i yeah i think that i i think that sadly most people are a little too um afraid uh or worried just about how that's going to be received or how people are going to receive them and they're worried about pissing people off they're worried about not having clients or they're worried about the clients that they have not coming back if they say the wrong thing or whatever so sadly i do i do still think that um 
there's just a whole lot of, uh, I don't, I don't know that I want to call that insecurity really, because I, I mean, I understand it's, it's your income, it's your, it's your money and you do it, you are dealing with people. So you do have to make the, uh, the client feel like, you know, good. I mean, you do. Well, yeah, it's a um, unique experience, right? They have to right. feel like so there's, happy. there's a good, I feel like there, there is a good amount that I do. You know, I mean, like I said, I, I will bend over backwards. I do. I mean, I do a lot of things, you know, personally one-on-one -on -one for my clients, you know, that have been seeing me for a long time. Um, but I do think that salon culture in and of itself is really like restrictive and it's very much like how are you, the, the mindset I think is usually like, how can we reach, um, how can we reach the greatest volume of people? Um, and that tends to be with just kind of doing this vanilla middle of the aisle. Yes, you're right. I'm wrong. You're big. I'm small thing. <laughs> and you know, you have some like offshoots of businesses that are like, nope, I'm doing this. Um, I, I wish there was a little bit more individuality, um, in, in salon culture. And hopefully, I mean, maybe what's going on right now will cause that because I think it's kind of forcing a lot of people um, in, in this business to, or in any artistic business, um, to come up with creative solutions for, um, you know, how to make money when you can't work, you know? Um, so if anything, maybe this will, you know, the COVID thing will help people to kind of break free from that a little bit. Sure. Um, cause I think what I'm noticing, uh, specifically is that people just want to support you, you know, people want to support small businesses, they want to support women owned small businesses, um, which, you know, 95% of the salon world is, is women. And, um, so I think that, uh, maybe we might see a little bit more of a, a change in that as we kind of, uh, get back to work after all this is over. Do you feel like this situation though, kind of affirms that like you doing you and you sticking your guns and you being authentic and you being fearless and all of that was, was the ultimate right move because, um, I mean, you, I, for many people, yes, they ask how they can help, but you know, could you imagine being back at the place where you're doing one color manicures in the middle of this whole thing? I would rather die. Honestly, I, I, I would rather die than go back to being in a like cookie cutter, um, basic, uh, uncreative, unproductive. Uh, I want, I want to be in a spot where I feel like I have the ability to, um, flourish no matter what I'm doing. So yeah, I definitely would, ne I would never go back to, um, doing something like putting my skills into someone else's, uh, pocket. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I think that, yeah, you spent I, all I the mean, time I, developing that, right? Like you've spent all this time curating that, and and for sure you've put in you've put in the hours, you've put in the time, and so it only makes sense that you continue to bet and bank on yourself. Um, so maybe the last thing is kind of like, you know, and to put you on the spot, but what is your relationship with weightlifting now? Like, what is your relationship with training? Because this, <laughs> I think, is the parallel. Like. People ask me this all the time. They're like, what do you do for training? What do you do? And, and I have a very specific answer, but like, I'm sure people are curious because as things have grown, that has also changed for you. Yeah. So I used to train, I used to train four to five days a week for, you know, two to three hours at a time. And that was great. And then, and then I opened my business and that took a really sharp decline. Um, sharp cannot stress enough sharp 
um, a Sharpie line um, to where, you know, for the last, at least since I opened, like, you know, initially I was in a suite and then I got some employees and opened this bigger location. I was still able to train quite a bit in my suite. But once I opened the storefront, which was just August of last year, uh, training almost became <laughs> non-existent for me, maybe once or twice a week. Um, and I was lucky if I could stay past an hour. So, I mean, I'm definitely to the point now. I think the um, one of the things I'm realizing about having all this time off is that I'm like, wow, I actually really need to lift. And I really need um, to take that time for myself, to take care of myself, to kind of mentally check out from work for a few minutes. Because, you know, I noticed even when I'm sitting in the gym, I'm constantly answering text messages or having to do something on social media or emails. And um, I think kind of being stuck at home right now with no ability to either, you know, do my actual work. I mean, I'm doing like the nail kits and I'm doing tutorials and stuff like that. But outside of, you know, being able to like actually hold hands with my clients, I'm, I've just got a whole lot of time to sit there and think about, you know, my life and what I want to do with it. And like, I definitely just, I, I want to be lifting more and I, I want to get back to that. So I think it'll be fun after this to try to find a balance between those two of like being a successful business owner and still taking the time to pursue my own personal interests and passions. And um, yeah, but yeah, weightlifting definitely kind of kind of ran away from me there for a minute, which, you know, like you said, that's, it's normal for a business owner to have to do that. But well, I think it, it, as I describe my story, I wanted to train my friends and I wanted to do CrossFit. I started, I found CrossFit in 2005 and, you know, as a personal trainer, I graduated college in 2008. There's an abundance of jobs available. Um, and so I, you know, worked at the Calhoun beach club and, I was like, I just want to do cross, this CrossFit thing. And then I want to train my clients. And that's just, it's, that's how it works. Right. And right. you find that that is 80% of my time is not training. My clients are doing CrossFit. 80% of my time is all the ancillary stuff. And, you know, it goes back to kind of my relationship with failure and then owning a business with your, um, your wife slash, um, something you've been with for 12 years is interesting because you have to have some hard stops with your relationship and, we don't always bat a thousand. I for sure don't. But um, I think it's important for people to realize that it can't be all one thing all the right. time. Because if it is like, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. And like, if you're always comparing yourself to other people, you're never going to be satisfied with what you have. And then if you're always looking at, you know, social media illuminates this world of other people's successes, but there's always a story as to how they got there and they made concessions, you know, and they made sacrifices. And so Absolutely. not all are as it seems, but for you, I'm excited if, you know, when we can find that consistency for you, because I don't know many people that are that focused and detail oriented and fearless when they are on the platform. And so selfishly, I, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see you get back to that. So I want to end with this. If you, if someone comes down to you today and they're like, Andrea, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to pursue something that is, I, that I'm passionate about. What would be your kind of like your first thing you would tell them? It doesn't have to be salon culture. It can literally be anything, but what is the first thing? If they're like, what, what's one thing I should know about being a business owner? What would you say to them? I mean, I just fucking do it, man. <laughs> you got to just like, put your balls out there, you know, and just like literally just take the jump. Like, I, I mean, I would say any, I would, I would never deter anyone from opening their own business. Cause personally, I, I find a lot of, um, 
personal value and confidence in uh, being successful at work. And, but, you know, like you said, there's a lot that goes into that and like honing your craft and stuff. But I feel like the thing that I would tell people is like, man, just do it. It, it really is the most rewarding um, experience, one of the most rewarding experience experiences that I've had. Um, and the number one thing I would say is, man, just, just be authentic to yourself. Do not think about, think about your, uh, you know, your audience in like, in so much as what they need or what, what the market is for whatever it is that you want to do. But within that, do what feels good to you and what feels right for you and what speaks to you. Because otherwise you're, you're not going to find fulfillment in that if you're just trying to please other people. So if you're going to do it, do it the way that you want to do it because that's how you want to do it. Not to please anyone else other than yourself. That's awesome. Well, well, I greatly, greatly appreciate your time. Thank you for chatting with everybody and myself. So I appreciate you. Of course, it was nice. I to miss you. Me. I miss you guys. Whoever's watching, if even if I don't know you, I probably miss you because I just want to see other human beings at this point. <laughs> All right. Well, where can people find you if they're interested in possibly uh, some of these tutorials you're doing or some of these kits? Like, because right now you're definitely slanging business. So where can people find you? Um, so I'm mostly doing the kits off of Instagram and my Instagram is, uh, nail ninja underscore MPLS or, um, nail ninja Minneapolis all, uh, spelled out. Um, one is my personal and one is the shop page. And then our website is www.nailninjampls.com. Awesome. Well, I hope to see you soon once this all blows over. So we'll talk. Thank you. All right. See ya. Okay. Bye. Bye.